It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys. Welcome to a crossover episode of Locked On Falcons and Locked On Panthers. I am one of your hosts today, Aaron Freeman, joined, of course, by the host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. We're going to be breaking down the mini matchups uh, in this upcoming Week 2 bout between the Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I'm host of the Locked On Falcons podcast, been covering the Falcons for many years at falcfans.com, as well as you can find me on Twitter at falcfans. I am joined by the host of Locked On Panthers, Bill Rossetti. I will let Bill introduce himself to my listeners, although they are well familiar with you, Bill, from the multiple crossovers that we did a year ago, as well as we talked a little bit about the Panthers offseason this summer. But uh, go ahead and let the people know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be working with you again. Yeah, like Aaron said, I'm Bill Rossetti, host of Locked on Panthers, uh, do some writing for Panthers Wire, and also a little, do a little contributions to Bengals Wire as well over at the USA Today Sports Media Group. Um, do kind of my own blogging on the side too with the NFL and do some college basketball work and trying to get more into NFL draft. And yeah, like Aaron said, we've done a couple of these crossovers uh, both on this podcast and his other podcasts. So I think Aaron and I have been have developed a bit of a good relationship now over the last year. So uh, good to get back together again here for this matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, hearing your voice, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is very familiar to me. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about this upcoming game. Uh, Panthers coming off of a press, impressive win against the Dallas Cowboys. The Falcons obviously coming off a disappointing loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. So this is, you know, an important division game. All division games are important. Um, but, you know, the Falcons want to sort of not fall into an 0-2 hole. The Panthers certainly want to make a, a, a surge forward in this division, sort of reclaim NFC South supremacy, which they had several years ago, but haven't really been able to get these last couple of years. And, and a big statement win on the road against the Falcons this week, I think, will be a, a great launching pad for that team. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. You brought up a great point. Um, this is a big opportunity for the Panthers because, you know, you, you said it best. They could start 2-0 and and put the Falcons in an 0-2 hole. So anytime you can put a division rival in, in that sort of hole, uh, especially if you're going on the road to do it at, at their stadium, uh, it, it's a big opportunity, you know, and the, the Panthers have to be feeling good, like like you said, coming off the win and knowing that the Falcons are – reeling a little bit after kind of how sluggish they looked on Thursday night. So, uh, yeah, big early division game here. You know, it's only week two, but like you said, all these games uh, are are big because you only get 16 of these. So, I mean, after it's Sunday, one-eighth of the season is already done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, Bill, where do you want to start? You want to talk about the matchups with the Panthers on offense or the Falcons on offense to start this thing? Well, let's start with the Falcons. I'll, I'll let you have the spotlight a little bit okay. first here. Well, I, no, I think that's a good way of starting it just because I think the really thing that was impressive in that 
Cowboys game was the Panthers defense. Um, and yeah. so I think, you know, that's been the thing that the Panthers have been known for for many years. Obviously, the Falcons have a lot of impressive weapons on their offense. And so that's one of the things that they're known for. We may discuss later in the show when we flip, you know, the script and we might talk about maybe why the Falcons defense is something that is a little bit more, at least from my perspective, confidence building. But let's let's talk uh, about this Falcons offense and going up against this Panthers defense. And we saw with the Falcons against the Eagles that they really struggled in the trenches against that formidable uh, Eagles front. I think the Panthers quite aren't on that level, but they certainly do present a lot of challenges. They were able to get a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott last week, um, sacked him a couple of times uh, against one of the better offensive lines in the league. Obviously, they're not the Cowboys aren't necessarily at full strength, missing a couple of pieces, have a rookie starting at left guard. But, um, you know, looking at this front for the Panthers, this is going to present maybe not quite the challenge that the Eagles presented, but certainly a very big one because Kawan Short always seems to go off against the Falcons. Mario Addison has gotten the better of Jake Matthews for the majority of the latter's career. You still have Julius Peppers. They added Don Terry Poe. That was something we talked about during the summer, which was going to be a major upgrade for that spot. So it's one of those things where, you know, this is not going to be an easy test for the Falcons if their offensive line is looking to rebound after a very disappointing start to the season. Yeah, and the big thing, I think, with the, the Panthers' D-line, too, is just how much they're able to rotate the defensive line, too. That That's always been a, a key component of the way they like to run their defense, you know, because – but it, like you said, it, it's, it starts with Kwan Shore, who had a big game. Julius Peppers got in there. Wes Horton was in there quite a bit, you know, and we, we talked about how – Wes Horton is a guy that I think the Panthers are excited about this year. Really want to see uh, how well how well he can do this season. So, just the way they're able to, to keep everybody fresh and really get after defensive or offensive lines, because like, like you said, they they made life very frustrating for Dak Prescott. Again, they were without Travis Fredericks. That was kind of a big hole. At center, but still they they kind of swallowed up Dak Prescott. Zeke Elliott really wasn't a factor till the second half, uh, so they did a real nice job shutting down that Cowboys offense. Now Sunday obviously is going to be a bigger matchup because you're looking at what should be a better offense in the Falcons versus what you had uh, against the Cowboys. Certainly a lot better, um, a lot better quarterback, a lot better receivers a lot better or not a lot better running back but still a uh, a top level running back but it's it's still a formidable front yeah they're not at the level of say a uh, Fletcher Cox or you know they might not rotate as much as the Eagles do because the Eagles can go really deep along the defensive line but these are still guys that are gonna get after Matt Ryan so I think they have to be feeling really good about what they saw on Thursday and what they can bring to the table on Sunday. I agree. Um, you know, one of the questions I have for this game is going to be, you know, Steve Sarkeesian came under a lot of scrutiny uh, from, you know, the end of that week one game and, and the Falcon struggles and the red zones would carried over from their last loss to the Eagles at the end of last season in the playoffs. 
And that's going to be a question mark going into this game. Uh, certainly the Falcons probably have the advantage in terms of the skill position players with guys like Julio Jones. I'm, I'm hoping that if the offensive line can hold up better, we'll get to see guys like Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and exploit some, you know, question marks, uh, some youth, you know, with a guy like Dante Jackson who might find himself matched up against Julio Jones quite a bit in this game with Captain Munerlin, who's getting a little bit up there in age, and I don't know if he's quite the player uh, that he once was. So I feel like the Falcons have some opportunities to exploit that. But that being said, going back to Sarkeesian, you know, you look at this Panthers defense that they faced twice last year, as well as, you know, a version of that that they faced in Buffalo. And in those three games, they only combined for a total of 56 points. So based off of last year's performance, it doesn't seem like Steve Sarkeesian has quite figured out this sort of zone-heavy, blitz-heavy mix of, of defenses that McDermott and, and now the Panthers, uh, under a new defensive coordinator, uh, you know, deploy. So that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to this game and seeing whether or not, you know, Sark is taking any lessons from those three previous games in addition to, you know, some of these other games like against Philadelphia and whether or not he can apply that to get a little bit more offensive production. Because I feel like if the Falcons can turn this into a shootout, as they've done in, in previous years when they've beaten the Panthers, that certainly plays to their favor because I don't think the Panthers' offense right now is really well constructed to, to getting into, you know, a, a scoring fest uh, like they may have been a couple of years ago. And so I feel like that plays to their favor, but because of some of the struggles that the Falcons offense has had uh, facing this type of defense, I don't necessarily know if they will be able to do that. So that's a big question mark for me. Yeah, and, you know, the obviously it hurts that they don't have Thomas Davis, but it has allowed the Panthers to run a lot of nickel which is going to be key because we know the the Falcons love to run a lot of eleven personnel. You know, even, even looking at the snap counts, uh, Captain Munderland played forty seven of sixty four snaps, while David Mayo, who was essentially the third linebacker, uh, only played eighteen snaps. So you're going to see a lot of Captain Munderland. You'll probably see a little bit of uh, some of the other DBs, but really it's Munderland. And you mentioned Dante Jackson, who. Uh, was wasn't too bad. Uh, actually, graded out pretty decently by uh, PFF. Uh, so that'll that'll be a fun matchup to watch those three defensive backs. I, I do want to. I did want to say too about Sarkeesian. You know, going back to that fourth down play on on the first drive of the game. I understand the willingness to go for it on fourth and goal on the first drive because. It's the first game of the season, the first drive. You're on the road. The crowd is so into it because it's the Eagles raising their championship banner. It's the start of them defending the Super Bowl for the first time. You've got to quiet the crowd at some point. And nothing quiets a crowd quicker than a touchdown on fourth and goal. So I get going for it in in that aspect, but why would you take probably your best offensive player off the field at, at such a crucial moment, you know, like last year in the playoff, like I disagreed with them rolling Ryan out, basically cutting the field in half, but obviously he's going after his best player and Julio to make a play to win them the game. Sark didn't even give Julio that chance on, on that first drive. So it really, 
like you said, it's really still questionable what Sarkeesian is doing, and you have to wonder, you know, you try not to overreact, but you have to wonder if he's going to be the guy that's going to hold the Falcons back in terms of really making a run at the Super Bowl because they were my Super Bowl pick. They're, they're, they're my pick before the season to win it all. But the way they looked on Thursday night really made me take a step back and think, okay, we've got a little bit of cause for concern here. Is this team really ready to take that next step? Are they fully back from where they were two years ago? Well, Bill, I'm smiling right now because you've basically broken down what the content of my podcast has been the last couple of days. So uh, it <laughs> probably will be for the, a good little while. So welcome to Locked on Falcons for all you Locked on Panthers listeners, because that's basically what we're going to be talking about. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think you said it and that's been a, a, a major question mark, um, you know, for months and certainly it's become even a bigger issue these last couple of days, just sort of the second-guessing that Steve Sarkeesian frequently seems to invite upon himself, particularly in these sort of do-or-die crunch-time situations in the red zone uh, these last couple of times we've seen the Falcons play. So my hope is that that won't be the case this week. And, you know, but there's only a, a, a certain amount of hope that you can sort of extend so far where you keep getting disappointed a little bit. So we'll see if that changes this week. It, it will be nice, too, to see if they can get Calvin Ridley involved a little more. Obviously, he was very quiet in his debut. So, you know, yeah, you know, obviously you're going to force feed Julio as much as you can. You know, he got, what, 19 targets in week one where Ridley, I think, only had two. Uh, so you, you want to hope that they start to involve him a little bit more uh, in their game plan in the coming weeks. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah, so before we get into talking about the Panthers, you know, uh, got to thank one of our great sponsors over at MyBookie. You know, ever, ever since we started doing these podcasts, we've been getting advice in terms of who who's going to win this week or what team do you, do you bet on. I don't know about you, Aaron, but I would probably make people go bankrupt if I ever gave them betting advice. <laughs> uh, but the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know you got to check out MyBookie because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie because, trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. So lay down some cash and win big today. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie because when you win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Again, that's MyBookie online. Visit that today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON. When creating your account to claim your bonus, my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Okay, guys, let's talk about the Panthers offense going up against the Falcons defense. Talked about this with Bill over the summer, but the introduction, the reintroduction of Norv Turner back into the NFL and, and some people sort of being skeptical whether, you know, Norv Turner would mesh well with sort of the stylings of Cam Newton based off of that week one performance while they didn't put up a ton of points on the board. They, you know, there were certain stretches of the game where that offense was really clicking and looking good, and I think, you know, the thing that Norv is going to do and the thing that has sort of reinvigorated the Panthers is this sort of ground-based rushing attack you had last year where the Panthers were basically, for most of that season, worried about Cam Newton's health and so didn't really use his mobility to uh, take advantage of opposing teams. That was not the case at all in Week 1 against Dallas. You have Christian McCaffrey. You have C.J. Anderson providing those fresh legs on limited opportunities. Uh, you know, to me, the big question mark with the Panthers' offense right now um, is their offensive line. But you know, they were able to get the job done uh, against a Dallas front, and I think that's really what their strategy is going to be against Atlanta. Again, going back to the earlier point I made, where it's like if the Falcons can turn this into a shootout, that sort of forces the Panthers from being able to play the style that they want, which is, I think, is they want to get into this game and pound the ball down the Falcons' throat if they can. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Bill? Yeah, I, there was a lot of talk about, because we saw how much they used McCaffrey in the preseason, and a lot of us thought he was pretty much going to be the workhorse, and C.J. Anderson was kind of going to be an afterthought. Now, McCaffrey was a... Um, a bit of a featured back. He did get, I think, about uh, 16 touches, somewhere around there, because I think he had about six catches plus the 10 carries. But C.J. Anderson got ten, uh, seven carries as well. So when when it comes to running the ball, it was actually pretty close in week one. McCaffrey only carried 10 times, uh, Anderson seven, but that too was also because Cam Newton ran the ball a bit himself, including the uh, goal line touchdown uh Alex Armal also getting a goal line touchdown. But, yeah, um, the running game, you can see they become a lot more comfortable with it, really with all those guys, not just McCaffrey, but, again, Newton, uh, Anderson, and even sprinkle in Alex Arma. But you're right. The offensive line is a major question mark because Darrell Williams went down again on Sunday. So uh, that's a big concern. We don't know the extent of his injury yet, but uh, it didn't look good on Sunday. He's probably going to be out maybe a couple weeks. And you saw Amini Silatolu go out there in in place of him at right tackle because Van Roten got the, got the start at left guard. So you can already see the depth at the offensive line start to be a problem for the Panthers because, as we know, Matt Khalil is on injury reserve, so you're not going to see him until midway through the season. Now, Taylor Moulton, I thought, played well at left tackle, which 
makes me happy because I've been riding his train for two years now. Uh, and ever since he got the start at left tackle, I've been high as a kite, um, really pounding the table for him. Uh, so, like I said, I was I was excited. To, I was very happy to see how well he performed in week one, especially against a Dallas front seven that we know can bring a lot of pressure. Doesn't get much easier this week because uh, Atlanta is going to do the same thing with Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. So another tough test for uh, Moten. And really for whoever goes in a right tackle, again, probably Silatolu. Uh, you also have to wonder about Greg Olson because it's he went down with a foot injury in the first quarter. And his status is certainly up in the air for some time, it seems. Uh, so it's probably going to be the Ian Thomas show at that position, at least for the short term and maybe a little bit after. Now, Thomas is another guy I'm a fan of. Uh, you, you saw he acclimated the offense pretty well in the preseason and had a couple catches on Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see how much more they involve him on Sunday as again, he with Greg Olson now likely out for a while. uh, Thomas will be kind of that move tight end. Uh, You'll, you'll see him kind of all over the field. So, uh, he, he's going to be a, a guy to watch out for. You know, you, you have Devin Funches and some of the other guys that we know of, but Ian Thomas can turn into that little bit of an X factor in the Panthers' offense. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup because the Falcons lost their, you know, number one tight end matchup guy in Keanu Neal for the season. He suffered an ACL tear in that Eagles game. And so, you know, Devondre Campbell is is a pretty good cover guy. He's not quite to the same level as Keanu Neal. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Greg Olson, but I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not disappointed that he won't be playing this week because he could have been a, a major issue. We'll see if Thomas can sort of step up in, the, in his void. You're going to have two pretty good athletes going up against each other in Thomas and Campbell. Um, you talked about the offensive line. And I'll be curious to see what the Panthers do at their right tackle position, whether they plug Sela Tool there whether they do what they did, you know, I think it was last year when they moved Trey Turner over to right tackle, whether they plug in their newly acquired uh, backup offensive tackle and Corey Robinson. Either way, I think it's going to create a vulnerability on their offensive line that I think the Falcons will have an opportunity to exploit. I thought Silatola really struggled in that game against Dallas going up against a guy like Demarcus Lawrence. My hope is that if it is Silatola, then a guy like Vic Beasley or Tack McKinley can really attack him. If they do kick out Turner to the outside, then I think that and presumably put Silatolu in at that right guard spot, then I think that opens up a vulnerability uh, inside where Grady Jarrett can really exploit that um, and get that interior pressure that you, you kind of need to, to sort of keep Cam Newton contained. But I think it really boils down to the Falcons doing a better job controlling the line of scrimmage against a Panthers offensive line that is a little bit reeling due to all the injuries that they faced. And it's going to be really important given Newton's mobility that we know um, the Falcons have historically had a lot of trouble uh, dealing with and losing a player like Neil makes that even harder just because you're going to have one less defender on the field that you can feel reasonably confident in uh, that can sort of spy Newton and, and be that type of guy that can make those open field stops against them. Without Neil there, that responsibility largely rests on guys like Deion Jones and 
Devondre Campbell. But then when you throw in a guy like McCaffrey, who we saw in that Week 17 game, Deion Jones was sort of primarily responsible for shadowing him wherever he lined up on the field. Um, and if, if Jones has his hands full uh, trying to handle McCaffrey, then that leaves you know an opportunity for uh, you know a mobile Newton to really attack and exploit this Falcons defense in a lot of ways. And so, you know, it's going to be an interesting chess match to see. Maybe the Falcons could wind up putting one of their two replacement safeties in Ricardo Allen or Dermonte Casey on McCaffrey, which would then free up Jones to, you know, keep an eye on on Cam Newton a little bit better. So that's going to be an an interesting thing. And I think for the Falcons, at least, it's going to really start up front. If they can sort of get pressure and overwhelm that Panthers offensive line and, and some of those backups, up front, then it will make their job a whole lot easier so that uh, guys like Newton or McCaffrey or even C.J. Anderson uh, don't really create havoc uh, for them on the ground um, and elsewhere in this offense. Yeah, and I agree. That's that that's probably going to be one, one of the best matchups here. Um, you know, the, the Falcons, like you said, are coming with, with great pressure up front and – you know they they could frustrate even a guy like uh, Van Roten, uh, so which will fr- frustrate Cam Newton a little bit, kind of get him off his game. And then you know you look at uh, Trufant will probably go up against uh, Funchess, uh, so Robert and you'll probably see Robert Alford else on the other. Um, so really going to be interesting what they do with the receivers and how much more they get DJ Moore involved if if they if they break him a lot, a little bit more or get uh, Tory Smith or Jarris Wright involved. Um, Cause even without Keanu Neal, this is still a very good uh, secondary, but it's that leadership that Neal brought. That's a, a huge loss for the Falcons. I and mean, I just feel terrible for the kid, you know, and it, it just sucks. Cause you kind of saw it coming too, because, or like you saw the news coming, because just looking at the replay and watching the way his knee buckled and the way he went down, you know, not even being touched, you pretty much knew right away it was a torn ACL. And it really sucks kind of the way they handled. You know, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't doubt if Neil was like just emotional and fighting and wanting to get back on the field because that's the type of player he is. Um, but it, it's just a shame that he went down once, got back in the game, and then went down a second time and. Now his season's done. So it's really going to be up to guys like Trufant and Alford to really rally the troops and kind of t- take that leadership role that uh, that Keanu Neal kind of had uh, to really rally this Falcons defense. Yep. Yeah. It, you know, the margin for error for the Falcons got a little bit thinner and um, with Neal's, uh, you know, season-ending injury. So... Um, you know, if he would have been fully healthy, uh, you know, I, I probably would have come into this game a lot more confident, uh, particularly, you know, the ability to, to stop the Panthers running game uh, with him on the field. But we saw in that Eagles game in, in the game where during the portion of the game where Neil was in the lineup, the, they only gave up 21 rushing yards. But then in the portion where Neil exited the game after his injury, they gave up, I think, 93 rushing yards. So it's one of those things where it's 
suddenly the Falcons' run defense becomes a lot more vulnerable when you don't have that physical enforcer in the lineup and facing an offense like the Panthers, where so much is going to be predicated on their ability to run the football, which then they will be able to sort of build off of their passing concepts and the read option and all the things that you know they like to do and showed off in week one. Um, if you can't stop the run, then there's pretty much, you know, there's not going to be a, a whole lot of hope for you because the Panthers are more than willing, as I said earlier, to, to want to pound the ball down your throat. And if they can get, you know, to 200 rushing yards in this game with like 80 of them coming from Cam Newton and 80 coming from McCaffrey and then another 40 coming from C.J. Anderson, that's exactly how they probably would want to draw it up with Norm Turner. So uh, that's going to be an, an important matchup moving forward for the Falcons to see if they can sort of adequately replace that ability in the run game in addition to what Neil brought in terms of their secondary and coverage as well. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that's going to be big to just see if McCaffrey just can, can continue to keep going, if Anderson can kind of stick as the uh, – just kind of keep doing what he did last week as well as – not just the the backup or the spell back, but really, really help move the ball uh, while giving McCaffrey a breather. Now we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about some key matchups and potentially give some predictions here. But I want to let you guys know that the Locked On Podcast Network is now expanding with college shows coming this week. You have Locked On Wolverines, Locked On Buckwise, Locked On Seminoles. Plus, we already have Locked On Ducks. Nittany Lions, Bears, Crimson Tide, Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and Cougars. Find your favorite college show on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever podcasts can be found. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Bill, let's uh, wrap things up and and talk a little bit about one sort of key matchup that you're going to be focused on, whether we've talked about it already or, um, you know, haven't quite dove as deep as as we need to. I think one I'm really looking forward to, I'm probably going to go ahead and say uh, Taylor Moten against whichever edge he's up against, whoever they, you know, likely uh, Vic Beasley or mckinley or whoever they go after him like like i said earlier um i thought he handled himself well but now he's going on the road for the first time as a starter so you know they're probably going to continue to attack him because he is you know he's not a rookie but he's in essence like a, a inexperienced starter because he really only has the one game under his belt so i think he's he's still as high on him as I am, I think he's still a guy that other teams are at least early on going to scheme against just to test how well he is and how, how much he can handle that left tackle spot. So I think the Falcons pass rush against him is, is really going to be one of those key battles to look for. Yeah, I think you're right there. Um, watching the game, I thought he did. You're right. I think he held up pretty well. I think there were a couple lapses for him, and I, you know, the expectation is that the Falcons want to 
you know, flip that and, and make a bunch of lapses and, and, and make the moments where he holds up be few and far between. Um, for me, the matchup I'm, I'm key looking at is going to be Julio Jones versus potentially Dante Jackson or whether or not the Panthers may do some shuffling to their secondary to try to get James Bradbury a little bit more opportunities uh, against Julio. But, um, you know, I, you're right. Jackson, I thought, handled himself pretty well against Dallas. But, you know, covering the likes of Terrence Williams and Alan Hearns is, is nothing like covering Julio Jones. And we saw a couple of years ago how, you know, when you take a, uh, let's say, a unprepared Panthers cornerback and, and put him on an island against Julio Jones, it can lead to very, very poor results if you're a Panthers fan, but very favorable results uh, if you're a Falcons fan. And, of course, I'm referring to the infamous 300-yard game that he had against Ben Aben Wickery a couple of years ago. So I'm hoping that the Falcons will, you know, one criticism of them from week one was that they were too focused on Julio Jones uh, in that game. Again, as you mentioned, the 19 targets, but if, you know, those night, if he gets 19 targets again this week against a player like Dante Jackson, who just has never seen a player like Julio Jones in his entire lifetime, I feel like that's going to be a major plus for the Falcons offense. So, I think, you know, another week of sort of Julio sort of carrying the offense in the passing game certainly would not be a bad thing given some of the matchups that he may get to see this week against Carolina. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, he, he's got he's got to continue to be the focal point as he has been in the last couple games for the for the Falcons. So, yeah, def, definitely with you on that one. Now, um before we leave out of here, Bill, do you have any predictions about the the result of uh, Sunday's game? You know, the, the Falcons are obviously going to be angry coming off the big loss. You know, they want to avoid the 0-2 hole. Uh, fans are going to be fired up. It's their home opener. But I think, I think the Panthers are going to be able to get after Matt Ryan. Uh, I think Eric Washington is going to find a way to, to scheme his – kind of scheme his way to frustrating Matt Ryan and I think the, the the Panthers offense will do just enough to keep him in the game I'm, I'm gonna say it's close but I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Panthers edge this one out I'll go ahead and say 24-21 Panthers okay um yeah I think this game's gonna be close I don't I think you know right now I don't feel like I don't feel an over amount of confidence that the Falcons offense is going to suddenly explode this week, even though they do have some favorable matchups potentially on the outside. Um, I think this is going to be a, a sort of a low scoring affair, but I do feel like the Falcons will find a way to, to pull it off in the end. I'm going to go with a score of 23 to 17 Falcons. All right, sounds good. Yeah, yeah I, I could see it being a very, very close battle here. So it, it could definitely go either way. Uh, like I said, the Falcons are going to do whatever they can to avoid the 0-2 hole, especially since it would put them, uh, in essence, three back already uh, in the division. Yeah. So uh, for Locked On Panthers listeners, if they want to check out my stuff, they can find it at falcfans.com. They can find me on Twitter at falcfans. And, of course, you know, looking for always new subscriber to Locked On Falcons if you want to uh, get some more insight into the Falcons this upcoming week. We'll be talking about that matchup as well as still revisiting some of the 
errors that were made in week one um, and, and talking about the impact of the Neal injury and, and other topics uh, Falcons related this week on Lockdown Falcons. Yeah, and uh, of course, Lockdown Panthers, I'll be continuing to cover leading up to this game and uh, covering some pro football focus stuff. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore SETI, R I C C E T T E. Follow my work at Panthers Wire and Bengals Wire. And yeah, always fun to to talk with you, Aaron. Yeah. Well, Bill, uh, Falcons play the Bengals in, in two weeks, so I, I might have to get you to drop some insights behind the scenes for me uh, in preparation for that game as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll be uh, certainly talking Bengals a little bit very soon since uh, it turns out these two teams are the, the next two opponents for the Bengals after Thursday night. They've got the Panthers in week three, and then, like you said, they have the Falcons in week four, so... Uh, Bengals will be dipping into the NFC South a little bit uh, after what was a nice rally against the Colts Sunday. And, of course, they turn around and have the uh, short week against the Ravens on Thursday. So really going to be interesting uh, to see what they do with the Bengals and uh, and Joe Mixon, how he broke out. Yep. Uh, I had him on one of my fantasy teams, so I, I, I certainly appreciated that. So You were definitely happy about that. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's going to be a good pick because he looks like he's going to be the workhorse in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's about time. Um, that was an issue last year, but uh, that's you know <laughs> we we could we could we could definitely devote anybody could devote a show to locked on Marvin Hall's uh, questionable decisions. Um, yeah, well, talk for hours on Marvin Lewis and how. Yeah, did I say Marvin Hall? I'm, Marvin Lewis. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh-huh. Marvin Hall, the Falcon receiver. Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Um, but Bill, I appreciate you joining me on today's crossover episode and I I look forward to doing it later in the season. And certainly I will be in touch with you getting some scoops on the Bengals in preparation for that game and and what the Panthers do, uh, in week three as well. So look forward to it. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you as always. Really appreciate it. Always a lot of fun. All right, man. We'll do it in a couple of months. So looking forward to that. That's good. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.